Hello again and welcome to another Twin Tangibles podcast. My name's Tim Wright. It's great to have you with us. This week, Crowdfunder, the UK's biggest reward crowdfunding platform, announced a new initiative. They made it known that people will be able to run community share issues on their platform. Now, community share issues have been around some time. In fact, we spoke to Jamie Veitch a few weeks ago, who talked about his involvement with the community share issue for the Sheffield Live TV station. But with Crowdfunder involved, you can expect that this is going to become a much more visible, a much more popular and a much better understood option for crowdfunders and communities to take ownership of assets and to build assets. To do this, Crowdfunder have linked up with the Community Shares Company, which is run by a guy called Dave Boyle. I caught up with Dave last week and he chatted through what community share issues are, what the opportunities are, and his hopes for this new hookup with Crowdfunder. This is what he had to say. So morning, Dave. Good to speak to you. And you too. Good morning. Um, and you're based in Brighton, I believe. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. I'm looking out across a sunny uh, sunny landscape here. How very nice. It's raining in Glasgow. So, But then again, when does it not? Indeed. <laughs> Our respective places are both conforming to stereotypes. Indeed so, indeed so. Now listen, though, great to speak to you today. Um, we're talking to you about this uh, new link-up and hook-up between Crowdfunder and the Community Shares Company so that there's this facility through Crowdfunder to offer uh, community shares. Tell us a bit about your involvement and your background in, in community shares and community share company. Okay, well, um, I've been working in what you might broadly term the community or the social sector for uh, nearly 15 years now. I I used to work for an organisation called Supporters Direct, which which was formed in 2000. It was to help football fans um, get an ownership stake in their clubs. Okay. Um, And so I spent a lot of time working with community groups of volunteers who'd come together to achieve a specific goal. And obviously, you know, you need money to buy a thing like a football club. In in some cases, they fell into the lap of the supporters' trusts, as we called them, which were created, uh, tossed to them as a hot potato, deeply insolvent, um, like being tossed the keys of a of a of an, of a, an oil tanker heading towards the shore uh, with the with the uh, with the steering with the uh, power lever broken. But oh, humble, indeed, indeed. But but in, in some cases there was actually a an organised move towards raising the significant sums of capital you needed, and that's where I became aware of the the sort of weird and wonderful properties of a of a specific legal form called the industrial and provident society oh yeah um, which which had a significant advantage here in that if you wanted to uh if me and you formed a company we thought it was a brilliant idea and we wanted to take it to the open market to get some investment you tend to do it through what are called private placements you go and see venture capital um houses and they sort of you know you talk one-to-one you take your idea to a small select group of people who are known as sophisticated investors <laughs> yeah if, if however you want to um take it to the public if you don't want to be owned by a bunch of very wealthy people who essentially are thinking how can i cash out of this and make myself a fortune rather yeah. than make this real um then you've got a problem in that you're you're essentially undertaking what's called a public offering of of securities. Um, 
you know, this the, the, essentially a public share issue like happened, say, most recently with something like Royal Mail. Yeah. Um, and showing my age back in the 1980s, which people became familiar with things like British Gas and oh, yes. the Telecom and so See, on. See, Sid, tell him. Absolutely. One for the teenagers there. Um, <laughs> so, so essentially, the problem with that is that um, there is a whole swathe of regulation rightly in place to protect the public from unscrupulous offers. Um, and in order to make a public offering of shares, you can't just go into the centre of the street and say, who wants to buy shares in my company? You have to get a regulated person, usually an accountant or a solicitor, to have a look through all the financial details to say these documents which you're putting in front of the public to invite them to invest are absolutely above board. They describe the risks involved, the potential upside, the downside, the financial projections. And by the end of doing this, you end up with two things. You end up with a desperately dull document, which you need a degree in accounting to really understand properly. And you also have spent £100,000 in producing the world's most boring document. <laughs> yes, indeed. This stuff doesn't come cheap um, because the people who produce it um, are on very good hourly rates. And it takes quite a bit of time and their professional reputation is at stake. So you tend not to be able to get mates rates favours. Yeah. So. The Industrial and Providence Society, however, escapes this entire swathe of regulation. And I could create an Industrial and Providence Society with you and we could walk into the middle of the street and say, who wants to buy shares in our in our society? And we wouldn't be breaking any laws. So it's a much more cost effective and cheaper way to raise capital. Um, and, you know, we can talk a bit later about why that might be so and what are the sort of what are the downsides as it were, what you know, what, what why is that regulatory um, loop allowed, which comes into the specific factors of community shares. But working in the football sector, this was an incredibly powerful way for people to raise capital. So it was the method used by Portsmouth fans when they wanted to buy their club um, in uh, 2012 or thereabouts. It was used by fans at FC United of Manchester who built their new stadium which opened last Friday and I was lucky enough to be invited to attend that um, having worked with the club for many years. But they raised £2 million. Yeah. Go to lose as well, I believe, wasn't it? Did, did something similar? In what? Sorry, I missed that bit. Sorry. Was it Lewis football team? Lewis, Lewis, yes. Lewis raised £200,000. We worked on that deal. Um, that was to help build a, uh, a 3G pitch, which adds the club's revenue. Wrexham Football Club have tried to raise money through it. So there's a reason why a lot of football clubs or fans groups were, were raising them, in that it, it really works for for community businesses yeah um where where essentially you know this takes us into the, the one of the key factors about a community share issue as opposed to normal crowdfunding um in that whatever you know whatever rewards might come your way through a, a crowdfunding campaign at the end of the day you have given the money to somebody else and at the, that's at the end of that process your rights end um you know, you're basically giving somebody the money and you cross your fingers and you hope that they spend it like they say they're going to spend it and they achieve the change in the world they want to achieve. Uh-huh. In the case of a community share issue, you're actually selling ownership stakes in the enterprise, which is be, which which you're offering um, the shares in. So you might be wanting to buy a football club, but in order to buy it, you have to sell bits of it to the people who who will become its owners. Yep. So they have an ongoing relationship with you. And that's not for everybody. But for football fans, 
that's a perfect situation. They can think of no better people to run and, and own a football club than themselves. And so, and as, you, as you rightly point out, th- those types of people will bring a different motivation for buying their piece of the club than, than an investor that, that is motivated solely Absolutely. by making money. Absolutely. And that's one of the things, you know, one of the reasons why the, the, an investment in, a, in community shares isn't regulated in the same way. Is because of two interesting factors. One is, if I buy 10% of the shares in a football club normally, or indeed any other business, I generally get 10% of the votes. I get 10% of the say. I get 10% of the profits. Um, in a in a community share issue, you might be able to get a cut of the surplus um, commensurate with how much investment you've made, but you only get one vote. So if you put a thousand pounds into Lewis Football Club, or you put fifty pounds into Lewis Football Club, you still have one vote. Yeah, we, we, th- 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 we were having a conversation with um, Jamie Veitcher a couple of months ago. He was involved with the Sheffield Live uh, community share issue, and this was a point that he was emphasising. It didn't matter if you bought ten pounds worth of shares or twenty thousand pounds worth of Absolutely. shares; you got one vote. So it's that kind of tremendously uh, democratic uh, approach that that uh, appealed to them. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we were lucky enough to work with Jamie and his colleagues on the on the on their share issue. And it was, you know, again, you know, media TV stations don't necessarily spring to mind. There's a lot of pubs. There's a lot of football clubs who've done share issues. Um, it's interesting that, you know, you've got Sheffield Live TV. The first one we're launching with Crowdfunder um, is Positive News, which is a magazine which has been running for 22 years. But, you know, Jamie's absolutely right about the. Uh, the one member one vote and that can scare some people off they might think well why should I only have one vote when I'm putting in a hundred times somebody else but you know this kind of there are other things which work on the same principle we both of us get one vote in the general election regardless of how much tax we've paid yeah or not paid um and so <laughs> th- there are there are there are you know there are there are uh, analogies and it, actually that's quite a good one because a, a, a society in which you do a community share issue is basically saying that we contribute what we can, but at, at, at its heart, um, our affinity for the enterprise, our concern for it, our interest in it being successful is equal. And just because we have different life circumstances which enable us to invest more shouldn't make one more powerful than the other, just as it is in a political community like a, a council or a, or a national election. Yep. So so there's the one member, one vote aspect. And the second aspect is that the a community share issue is is, is in a, either cooperative or community benefit society, and that's regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. And one of the things they insist upon, which comes back to the legislation which governs these enterprises, is that you can offer interest on investments to those who, who do you know, give you their capital and ask you to do something with it. But that in interest is pegged at, uh, uh, it's not a, a, an actual fixed cap. It's the law says you can offer no f- higher interest than that necessary to attract the capital. Yeah. So just because you could make a, an enormous profit doesn't mean that you're legally able to. Um, and that means that it's it's not really treated in the same way as an investment activity would be if you were buying shares in a in a new startup, which, you know, was saying it was going to be the next big thing in social media. Yeah. Uh, the entire point is you want to offer 
a profit share or a dividend distribution which is as high as humanly possible while still facilitating the growth. But, you it, know, the people, but of course, certainly in the UK, you know, there are, we, we shouldn't shy away from mentioning the fact that there are tax advantages for investors in this as well, isn't there? Well, this is the great thing. So having an interest rate cap and a, and, a, and a voting cap actually means that the people who mainly invest in community share issues are actually social investors. Yeah. Um, they want to see the objectives of the organisation succeed. They want to live in a world where you win. So if you're Lewis Football Club, yeah, they'd like to get their money back and maybe with a little bit of interest. But more importantly, they want to live in a community where there's a thriving football club and their capital enables that to happen. FC United fans don't want to profit from their uh, investment in the stadium which has been built. They want their club to have a home and be in control of its destiny. And that makes them sleep easier at night. It makes them sleep with a smile on their faces. Yeah. And that's worth investing in. And they're very happy to do so. And the the fact that you can get a tax break in depending on what stage of the business is, if it's a startup, for example, you might be able to get a 50 percent tax break on the investment. So if I invested a thousand pounds in a community share issue, which had what's called seed enterprise investment scheme relief, yeah. I could get 500 pounds knocked off my tax bill. Yeah. Um, most share offers tend to be in organisations which have got a bit of a track record, which means they're not eligible for that. And they have to use the more common garden enterprise investment scheme, yeah. which is only 30 percent. But 30 percent is pretty good, I think. And it also means that the the enterprise doesn't have to work as hard to get you your money back. If you get 71 percent of your money back. Yeah, and he risked large part of your your investment where you were. And if the world's a better place as a result of that investment, there's your social return. The other thing which makes this all very powerful at this current moment in time is that we've you know, we, we live in an era of historically unprecedented low interest rates. If you were doing a community share issue in 2006 or 2007, you would have had to say to people, you know, they were or they more pertinently would have said back to you. If I do nothing and stick my money in a bank, I can get 3% on interest. And that's absolutely copper bottom guaranteed. I can get it whenever I want. So in order to get that investment, people had to work really hard and sometimes had to offer rates of interest, which were actually really challenging. So, um, you know, they'd be offering four, five, six percent. And sometimes the business, if it's community energy, for example, can definitely support that kind of return. Yeah. The more there's, no, there's no doubt, of course, that, that, you know, the supply side factors, you know, the lack of opportunities for retail investors has definitely um, uh, played a significant absolutely. part in you, growing uh, the, the sort of crowdfunding sector. But there's also the demand side as well in that this idea of communities owning assets and being able to take um, uh, empowered to take control and ownership of these types of activities is uh, very much something that has come about uh, and, and is is exemplified by the sort of digital disruptions that we've seen in the last sort of 10 or 20 years anyway. But it yeah. also chimes very much with a lot of these localist agendas. You know, there's a strong localism and a local asset ownership agenda in being driven by the Scottish government. Yeah. Uh, and and, and there, there is this sort of emerging appetite for people to take control of these things and, and take the opportunity to, to seize ownership of these things. That's absolutely right. There is a, you know, you, you, as you say, you've got the historic opportunity of people have actually got spare capital to invest, which is earning the square root of NAF all in bank savings <laughs> yeah. accounts. 
um, which means you don't have to work too hard to make it not work, to, to not lose out, which has always been a problem for the social sector, which has always sort of prided itself on not doing some of the bad things, which maybe other companies might do in order to justify high returns. Yeah. So yeah. if you've been uh, if you've got a business model which is based on on essentially eschewing the high value return in favour of the social benefit. That's been a problem, but not anymore. But the the localism agenda is a massive factor here. So I've worked with quite a lot of community groups, especially looking to take on pubs where you use the powers of things like assets of community value. Yeah. Uh, and you get a an abs- you get a, a right to make a bid. And community shares are the way in which people raise the money to make their bids because it's absolutely tailor made for this. And I think across across the piece, you've got something working in two directions. You've got a national policy framework which says we think this should be encouraged. You've got a national financial framework where politically decisions are being made which are going to create hard choices for who should run things which have traditionally been seen as public services and public assets. Um, And regardless of whether you think that's a good idea or a bad idea, um, I don't think there's any way around the fact that there will be more councils and more public bodies looking to dispose of things which have been built up over previous generations, which creates a question, well, if not the council, then who? And and at the other side of it, you've also got an increasing, and I do put this down to a degree of disintermediation and a sense of people being able to organise for themselves. The idea of... um, people doing it for themselves is yep. something which just seems to me to flow from using social media Absolutely. Um, you, you just don't see the need for some sort of distant uh, organization to run things on your behalf so yep. i think there's a, a renewed understanding of the power of, that people have and to some extent i think it's a bit of a wheel turning full circle because in many respects many of the things which were built if you look at you know you walk around glasgow and you look up at the the uh, the stones above the doors of some of the buildings there's all sorts of institutes which were now which were built before the growth of local government yeah absolutely were built, were built yeah. by forms of public subscription which which essentially um, we 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 probably spent the best part of a hundred years forgetting, and I think that's what's coming back. But it's with a renewed sense of opportunity and a renewed uh, sense of why this works, combined with the technologies, which actually make this much much easier uh, yeah. than it's ever ever been. So you know, I think it's a really powerful set of circumstances coming together. Absolutely, I absolutely agree with everything you you say there, Dave. And uh, one of the things that, you know, you mentioned the fact about taking ownership of assets. In fact, I I mentioned it as well, and that there will be disposal of assets that communities can take uh, advantage of. But you can also use it to create new things as well. And and, and there, you know, you can point to great examples that I'm sure. But there's, there's also this sense that because of the uh, technologies that are available to us now, we can reach beyond our local community to find people that are that can want to become involved in these projects. So, you know, the essence of crowdfunding is that you can actually not only transact it easily and cheaply, you can also reach a much much wider audience as well. Absolutely, and this is you know, so apologies to your listeners who can't stand football. This I hope will be my <laughs> last football reference, but nowhere's that truer in a football club where. Any club has got people who used to live in that community and have scattered to the four winds, often around the world. You've got people who've become fans of this club because they like the sound of the name, 
when they heard it on the, uh, yeah. on, the on the video printer being broadcast. Oh, absolutely. And and and, and so a football club, however local, will always have a a, a reasonably global fan base. So so the the ability to actually connect with those people to tell them about the opportunities you can offer them and, and crucially to enable the money to flow out of their savings account into your bank account. Yeah. That's the crucial thing which has been enabled. But the other thing what it enables as well, and I think this is where is for want of a better word I'm going to call the social proof factor. Yeah. Um, if people see um, people like them doing things, it makes them more likely to do them. So... Um, you know, you can create a norm within a community, which let's say the village, a village pub in an isolated community. Everybody can start saying, well, I've invested in the pub. Have you? And it creates this sort of head of steam that that people who live in this community really should be thinking about investing in this share issue. Yep. And you can do that in a small isolated community where everybody knows everybody else. But in more urban settings, not everybody does know that. But I think through things like Facebook, we get the ability to sort of connect with not just a wider community, but connect with the net people's net own networks yeah. um, and get into them. And it's, and, and actually start those, that social pressure, that social proof, which says I'm investing in, for example, Hastings pier and people like us should invest in Hastings pier. And after seeing three or four people pop up in your timeline saying, I've just bought shares in Hastings pier, you start to think maybe I should do. I do the same thing myself. Yeah, absolutely. And then people can start to say, you know, why aren't you putting up? I've bought shares in Hastings Pier. Have you not bought them? Yeah. And it's that kind of. It just gives us the ability to not only extend the community but deepen it as well. So this uh, this is very much redolent of you know, the typical crowdfunding campaign, how one would go about doing the outreach. But what are the other practicalities about putting together a, a, a community shares issue? I'm guessing you have to have a business plan and, you, you know, there are certain documentation pieces yeah. that one has to produce to, to do this. What, what's the sort of high level overview okay. of those? Essentially, unlike a normal share offer, a community share offer is simply a contract. So um, and that can be that can be as vague or as as uh, as detailed as it needs to be. And to some extent, you go by what you actually need. So if you want to raise a million pounds, then you're probably going to need to do a bit more detailed work because it's easy to spend a million pounds badly. Yeah. Um, and so you need to show how you've uh, you've got your ducks in a row, as it were. If you only want to raise 50,000 pounds. Um, maybe you don't have to do as much detailed work, but at the heart of it, it's still a legal contract. And at some level, if I want to make a stupid contract, which is completely against my interest, the law of the land says I'm entitled to do so. Yeah. Um, you know, the law doesn't stop me from being completely daft. <laughs> However, in the real world, most people are not completely daft and they will want to see some evidence that you know what you're doing. So um, whilst in a crowdfunding campaign, people still might want to see that you're a credible person to achieve the project you say you will. If they're only putting in £50 or £20, if it all goes wrong, what's the cost? Yeah. Really? You know, I can wear it on the chin. Whereas if I'm going to put 250 if I'm going to put £500 in, I actually need a little bit more confirmation that you're going to spend that wisely. Yeah. So what you need to show is that the promises you, 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 you make are, are bottomed out. If you're going to say we hope to give you interest 
on your investment and enable you to withdraw your investment over over say a five year period you need to show me the business plan which says how are you going to generate that surplus in the first place because if it's just wishful thinking then i'm going to think twice yeah if you're saying you're going to create a social benefit in the community then evidence it for me tell me what you're going to do show me that there is a need i mean in the main that latter one doesn't apply so much because generally the community should be not need to be told of its needs it should know them because the community knows its own needs better than anybody else yeah but if you're going to reach out further it's, you need, it's, absolutely you can't you need to make them make the case don't you? absolutely and you've just got to show me that you've got the right team of people you know you say you're going to build a building you're going to uh, fill it with uh, with some housing and you're going to fill it with some workspaces Sounds like a great plan, but I look at your board and I've not seen anybody who's managed a project bigger than building a garden shed. So, yeah, you know, yeah. how is this going to stack up? So you just have to put yourself in the mind of an investor and say, what would a sceptical investor want to know? Um, and how do we assuage their fears and how do we? But but also, you know, we don't want to go back to the sort of 50 page turgid terms and conditions and financial spreadsheets because these are ordinary people who are asking to invest. And what we've got to do more than anything is excite them yeah. we've got to tell them why this really matters and how the world's going to change if we can do this. And the only thing stopping the world changing is the investors reluctance hitherto to actually put their money behind this project. And that's where we want to get them to. I mean, you also need to have um, very critically, you need to have the right legal structure. Yeah, so, I was going to say that that's that's got to be a key thing. You've got it. Yeah, there's it's and it's it's not a structure which your average high street law firm will really have much experience of. It's it's quite a niche thing. Uh, but you know we've got plenty of experience of working with groups there. So if you if you're a startup group, easy peasy, you can just take this form from the get go. If you already exist, if you're a charity or a community interest company or or just a normal company, depending on what you are, there's a maybe a slightly more involved route you could convert or we could look at creating essentially making your your existing structure a, a subsidiary of a of a, a wider one. But the key thing is that you have to have the right legal structure in order to issue the shares because if you don't have the right legal structure you're either issuing the shares illegally or you're issuing shares which you don't actually have the right to exist so for example a normal community group or a charity will be a company limited by guarantee in many cases and they're not actually allowed to issue share capital at all so if they say they're doing a community share issue they're both wrong and they're potentially you know defrauding their investors because any contract is governed by the law of the land but one of the biggest parts of the law of the land is the is what's the 1967 Misrepresentation Act, which basically says, don't tell me lies. Don't so, I, so the, don't the moral of the story is make sure you get proper advice on this. Yeah, the, but the beauty of it is, is that a lot of the advice is actually just helping you with common sense stuff. The really technical stuff, you really do need to take some advice on, but it's not rocket science. It just needs somebody who knows what they're doing to help you with it. It's yeah. uh it, you know, it's not a, it's not an insurmountable barrier in any way, straight shape, or form. It's just a way of saying, be careful and let's get this right. Okay. So now we we know then that the that we think this is a a, a great opportunity. We can see that there is a, a coming together of a number of circumstances that are that are likely to make this increasingly popular. We know that it's already happening in a few places, and you you've been been directly engaged with those. Yeah. Let's talk about this this new initiative here with crowdfunder. Crowdfunder being the biggest reward based crowdfunder in the UK. Yeah. 
a great, great reputation, done a lot of business, uh, done some really uh, innovative things uh, in terms of their, their work in Cornwall and, and yeah. these, these types of uh, um, uh, new ventures for them. But this is a new service that they're launching, which says you can use the crowdfunder platform to transact a community share issue. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been we've been talking now for about three months. um, And I think it's a really great fit because crowdfunder have been looking to get into community shares, um, partly because they've, they've had people contacting them, but because there are. because it involves actually selling an actual you know piece of equity yeah um it's it's the sort of thing which is a bit different to crowdfunding which is essentially you know i give my money i'm a big boy or girl and i give it to you and you know it's adults can doing stuff with consenting adults as it were yeah but but when you're involved in this kind of thing it makes a lot of people quite nervous and they can they can see the opportunities but they want a a guide and and so um, by the same token um we're the community shares company we're looking for a platform we knew that one of the things which was really restricting the growth of the community shares market was was one a lack of understanding so a lot of people don't know about community shares when you tell them about them they tend to get very excited but yeah. not enough people know and crowdfunder have got a really big reach yeah you know they've got a hundred thousand people who've used their platform um that are, if not more than that i suspect and they've got a brand and a and a and a and a and a uh, what's that? a voice which can really help grow this sector the other thing they've got is a platform which makes life easy um you know there are things a community group or anybody doing a community share issue for that matter has to do and has to do themselves you have to come up with the vision you have to identify you have to become credible with your investor community there are things though which you often end up doing which you don't need to which are a waste of your time which is worrying about you know do we take cash or checks and how do we bank them and how do we get the money back to you if it all goes wrong and how do we process these things a lot of it is is the sort of thing which um, I see a lot of groups spend quite a lot of time and mental energy worrying about and crowdfunder have got a platform which is absolutely built for exactly solving these problems yeah so makes the process easy and makes yeah. the transaction costs actually come down absolutely what they didn't have at crowdfunder was a really understanding of of what a good community share issue was or wasn't and whether they were able to offer them so we've been working to sort of help on that side of things and what we get to do is recommend to our clients a really simple and easy way to to take their offers to their investor community without the the sort of friction which normally gets in the way of having to print out a form or do a standing order or whatever else it might be yeah so tell me, uh, in in terms of the sort of size, we, we I, I'm aware of some really quite um, large uh, community share issues in terms of value. Yeah. So uh, I think of, for example, there was a pub in Bath. I think it did seven hundred and fifty thousand. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but you, know, you can do much smaller ones as well. I'm sure. So so what's the sort of scale that the crowdfunder will deal with on this? We'll we'll play it by ear. I mean, because there is a. Um, there is a point at which I think you, if you were looking at your potential investor community um, and you were thinking, actually, we only need £15,000, I think you could get away with doing a normal crowdfunding campaign. You know, you don't have to go through any of the uh, legal um, 
steps which you might need to do but it's it's you know you could still do a community share issue for that amount of, of money um it just tends to be less needing to use something like crowdfunder because actually in reality if you're trying to raise fifteen thousand pounds there's probably only about seven or eight people who are going to give you that money and you know them already so so you know going through the motions of setting it on a web platform um isn't really going to help so it's it's you know, we'll play it by ear. And what we're not going to do is push people towards a route to do community shares when actually they don't need to. It needs to be for people who've recognised that this is a really exciting way forward for them. Um, but we've got no interest in in sort of dragging people towards something which might not be right for them. You know, that that's my professional ethics. And I'm sure it's the same with Crowdfunder. It's that we want we want to work with people who want to work with us. And I guess, you know, the advantage of, of having uh, that relationship and the service with the, the crowdfunder of often now, they have a sort of portfolio of options. So yeah. you could say you could just run an ordinary reward based crowdfunding campaign to raise that sum. You, you know, it'll work for you. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're looking for these bigger sums, you know, you could probably still run a reward based campaign as well, but it might be more appropriate to Absolutely. do a share issue. So you, you've got the options, really. Absolutely. And what you can say to them, you can put choices in the hands of people. You could say, yes, you could raise £150,000 through a normal uh, rewards-based crowdfunding, but given the averages, and let's say, you know, £25, you're going to need X number of thousand people, and that's going to be an awful lot of work. And if you want to do that work, then, you know, knock yourself out. We're here to help. Yeah. However, there is another way forward which maybe doesn't need so much uh, flogging the community of investors um, because you get a bigger sum, but it will involve some changes on in, in the way you run your organisation. And yeah. you know, I think I, I'm fully expecting lots of people to be excited by the possibilities of what they could raise through a community share issue, but not being as comfortable with the changes they need to make to the way their organisation works. And that's yeah. absolutely fine. It's it's a case of uh, making sure everybody does whatever they do with their eyes open in possession of the, fo- the, the, the actual facts. So a lot of people, for example, don't like the idea of being owned by the crowd. They like the idea of being funded by the crowd, but then they like to be left to get on with spending the money the crowd have given them. That's perfectly understandable. Um, and, you know, there's there's... That's a hugely missed opportunity, though, Dave. But that's for another conversation. (laughs) That would would be that would be the choice. So it's like, yes, you are. You know, there is a there is an upside to not doing a community share issue, but there's a massive downside, which is the average crowdfunding campaign. You know, in what a person will give you is eight times less than what they will give you for a community share issue. So if you want to wear that, that's absolutely fine. But if you want to get into that, then, you know, let us help you and you need to understand what changes will be made and and then get comfortable with that. But crowdfunder of all had a, a strong reputation as a platform for, providing support to people that are running a crowdfunding campaign you know there obviously there are hundreds of of crowdfunding platforms that you can choose from and they all differentiate themselves in in different ways some of them are very hands-off some of them are are more more um undertake more diligent shall we say in terms of who they allow onto the platform but crowdfunder have always made a point that they're pretty um proactive in coaching people and supporting them through through a process and i guess what what you're mapping out here is that that will also carry through quite significantly into the community share issue offer yeah there's a there's a it's really interesting um when we were first talking about doing this partnership 
Um, we went down to crowdfunders' offices um, in in Newquay, and we were we were doing some work to help make this happen. And we were sat in the office listening to the people at crowdfunders doing exactly that coaching yeah. with people yeah, yeah. putting projects up. And what was really interesting was that if you take away the actual sum of money they were trying to raise, there was absolutely no difference to the advice I give people who are doing community share issues. It's just crowdfunder do that all day, every day, and have an enormous um, wealth of data behind them to support what they're urging their projects to, to do to, to be successful. But at its heart, it's about how do you make a compelling proposition to the people who need to be compelled? Yeah. And that that degree of support which crowdfunder give um, was was really attractive. As was also, I'd have to say as well, the their their, their long standing engagement in what you might call community based crowdfunding. Yeah. Um, which was about the kinds of people who were offering community share issues. I kind of see them almost as the sort of young saplings of of organisations which will grow up to be mighty oaks doing community share issues. And of course, you know, during the general election, they got very heavily into the area of uh, crowdfunding political campaigns. Oh yes, indeed, there, that, that was a significant, uh, significant in Scotland. Absolutely, it, it certainly was, and that kind of appetite for innovation combined with an understanding of, you know, not everybody's going to agree with every every party who's funded via the platform, but crowdfunder really saw, uh, you know, it was as an opportunity and also it's an entirely, you know, it's a very now thing to do. Yeah. And, and and it felt to me that, you know, this every time we, we, we looked at what Crowdfunder were doing, it just seemed like a really, really good fit. And I know everybody listening to this who's heard any partnership between, you know, Coca-Cola and FIFA saw a good fit until last week. But <laughs> it, 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 it's the usual p- PR guff people come out with. But it really does feel like a really good fit where, you know, we've got complementary skills. We've got very similar values um, and we've got, uh, you know, a really shared appetite for really making this work. Well, I'm not in partnership with either of you, so <laughs> so I, I can, you know, what I, what I say, uh, I, I suppose, comes with uh, with no no particular bias on it. But yeah. I think the way that you know you've set things out there, it, it chimes very much with what we recommend to people running crowdfunding campaigns. There yeah. is a logical sequence that one needs to go through, yeah. understanding what you're looking for, where it fits for your organisation, you know, the strategic fit. Yeah. Then looking at what you're actually capable of doing as an organization from a practical point of view. Yeah. And then you start thinking about the model that you're going to adopt, whether it be community shares or equity or whether it's going to be yeah. a reward or whatever. Yeah. And then there's a whole planning process and coaching process to get people up through to, 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 to delivering a campaign successfully. So, Absolutely. you know, it's a. Uh, it's it's a it's a good model, not followed by everybody, but it's uh it's a, it's the model that we would recommend for a successful approach. Hello, Dave. Uh, tell me where where can people find out some more information about this if they're interested? Do they go onto the crowdfunder site? You can go onto the crowdfunder site where there'll be information which will be available from the homepage, or you can go to the Community Shares Company website, which is uh, communityshares.co.uk. Um, we're focused, you know, there'll be a bit more information about community shares on, on the community shares company website, um, than, than you'd obviously expect to have on the crowdfunder site. But, you yeah. know, we're going to be making sure that the, the, the content talks to each other. Um, and people will be able to fill out a quick form to just sort of say where they are and what they're interested in. And we'll be calling them back to sort of talk, establish where they are. And we'll find some people, I'm sure, who, 
when they hear what they hear, they'd say, thanks very much, but no thanks. Others will be very enthused, but they're some, you know, going back to what you were saying about the process you have to go through, they're at the very early stages and there's quite a bit of work they need to do first. And there'll be others who hopefully um, will be able to move relatively quickly onto the platform and get moving with share offers. And crowdfunders addresses crowdfunder.co.uk, I believe. That's correct, yes. Yeah. Dave, it's been great speaking to you. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, wish you every success with this. I think it's a fantastic innovation. I, I'm a great fan, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all of the great success stories that are going to come out of it. Likewise. Thanks very much for having me, Tim. Cheers. Well, there you have it. Thanks to Dave for his time, and thanks to Jess Ratty and the team down at Crowdfunder for setting that up. If you want more info, go to crowdfunder.co.uk or communityshares.co.uk. I think it's a great initiative and wish them every success with it. That's about it for this time, so thanks for being with us. And remember, if you want help with creating value or solving problems through the crowd economy, then contact us at twintangibles.co.uk. This has been a Twin Tangibles production, and this music you're listening to is Beach Bump by Kevin McLeod, which we use through licensing Creative Commons. If you want more info, go to incomtech.com. My name's Tim Wright. It's been a pleasure. So till the next time, see ya.